Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works in social media. Today, I'm going to be joined by Dara Denny, and we're going to talk about using creator content in Facebook ads. If you have been struggling with your Facebook ads and you are looking for really a better way to create ads that look natural, you're going to love what we talk about today. By the way, I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. And if you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow this show so you don't miss any of our future content. Let's transition over to this week's interview with Dara Denny. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Dara Denny. If you don't know who Dara is, she's a performance media consultant. She's senior director of performance at Thesis an agency that helps e-commerce businesses grow their leads and sales with paid media. And her YouTube channel is at D-A-R-A-D-E-N-N-E-Y. Dara, Dara, how you doing today? Welcome to the show. I got this I desire am- to want to call you Dara and I'm going to, that, that's correct, Dara. Yeah, I don't it's know. It's correct. Yeah, okay. yeah. It's really funny. Actually, I have a lot of subscribers ask me because I don't introduce myself in my YouTube videos. So one of the most common questions I get is people are like, how do you actually pronounce your name? So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I've got this mental thing in my head that I'm going to get it wrong. And I put Dara like Laura, which of course doesn't rhyme at all. But anyways, how are you doing today? Welcome to the show. I'm doing great today. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Today, Dara and I are going to explore how to create Facebook ads that convert with user-generated content. And before we get on the path of actually exploring that, I would love to actually ask you about your backstory. Like, how the heck did you get into Facebook ads? Start wherever you want to start. Yeah, well, to be honest, it's kind of a wild story. And I actually started in an industry that had absolutely nothing to do with social media or advertising or marketing. I got my start as a humanitarian when I first graduated university. It was my dream to join Peace Corps. I actually got denied from Peace Corps at the last minute and ended up you know, saying, screw it, I'm going to roll out my own Peace Corps. So I ended up working for NGOs in West Africa, South Asia, and India, and then finally um, working for a consulting firm in the Middle East. I was out in Egypt for about two years and it was my final full year there that I had this epiphany that I didn't actually feel like I was helping people. And that was the main reason why I wanted to be in this industry. So I thought to myself, you know, I want to be a journalist. I want to tell stories that matter. I want to amplify voices. So I went into the biggest English speaking newspaper at the time in Cairo And I said, hey, let me write for you. Here are my bylines. And the CEO, her name is Amy Mawafi. She took one look at me and said, 
actually, you should work for our social media agency. So I ended up working for this social media agency out in Egypt for a year. And I was actually an account manager at that point. So and I was doing the organic social media creative strategy. How long ago was that? Just out of curiosity, like what year was that? Yeah, that was in like 2015, 2016. Okay, so you were doing the strategy for them. Keep going. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So I was essentially creating content for organic social media. I worked primarily with Michelin starred restaurants. I also helped launch the Mall of Egypt project, which if any of you are familiar with the Mall of Emirates, which is like the ski slope with the live penguins like out in Abu Dhabi, then like I essentially launched that in Egypt, which was really awesome to work on. After doing that for about a year, Number one, I was totally hooked. I loved working on social media. I loved creating content and developing the creative and working with creative production teams to make all that content. So I decided, you know what? I want to come back to New York, which is where I went to university. And I want to try killing it here. And I ended up working for a PR firm for like literally two months and I got fired. I was so bad at it. And it was like, so it was such a hard time for me because I was trying to readjust back into this life in the US and also readjust to New York City and how expensive everything was and losing my job after two months only was really difficult. So, you know, I tried applying for other jobs in marketing, even applying for other jobs in customer success. I would have taken anything at that point. But I got a really unique opportunity after I answered a call out on Craigslist for a tech startup in Brooklyn. They were looking for someone to do sales for them. And I was like, hey, at at this point, I'll do anything. And I ended up meeting with these guys who had an e-commerce product at a bar. That's where my interview was. And I ended up working with them for about a year and I ended up leading their entire marketing efforts. So this was everything from their marketing funnels to all the creative and the content they were running on their social media and eventually running their entire Facebook ads. And this was actually the first time that I had exposure to the platform. And here again, I was really hooked because I loved being able to see the results of my work almost instantaneously. So we were doing lots of lead generation for the business. And it was so amazing to be able to launch an ad and see the leads pouring in. And I think I was getting that instant gratification of seeing the results of my work in a way that I really wasn't seeing from my previous career. Well, and bring us up to the present. So you worked with them, obviously, you met them in the bar and everything like that. (laughs) So now bring us up to the present and tell us what you're doing now. So right now, I'm the Senior Director of Performance Creative at the Agency Thesis. And essentially what that means is I oversee all of the ad creative teams. And we primarily work with direct-to-consumer e-commerce brands on their paid social advertising. So on the creative side, I am running the UGC division or the UGC team. I am also running the post-production team. And I'm also managing the creative strategy team, which is the creative directors and the creative strategists that actually analyze the ads and then make the creative roadmaps and ultimately develop the strategy for the ads that are going to convert on paid social. So, you know, the in-between years was a lot of soul searching. I worked in-house. I started working for some agencies. And to be honest, I just kind of love the chaos of agency life. Like, I think it's a very certain type of person 
who really thrives in working in an agency, I think any marketer should do it at one point because the rate of experimentation and the rate of trying out your tactics, trying out your strategies across multiple different brands and businesses, I feel like you just you get to learn so much at hyperdrive. But it is a lot of work and it's a lot of stress because it is ultimately a client-facing position. But I, I honestly love it. I love the thrill. It's very chaotic every day. <laughs> You've also launched a YouTube channel and I don't know how long have you had the channel. Maybe you had the channel and you decide not to focus on what you're focusing on now. But how long has your channel been focused on the kinds of content that you're focusing on now? And tell us just a little bit about what people can find. Yeah. So my channel is all about how to run Facebook ads and how to develop creative that converts for the platform. And I try to focus a lot on tactics and strategies on the, on the creative side that anyone can do so that you can do without a really big budget, that you can do without a huge production team. I've been creating YouTube content for the last two years. It initially was a quarantine pandemic project for myself. And I really honestly just wanted to do YouTube. Like there was a moment where I was like, oh, maybe I should do a running YouTube channel. Running as in like jogging, you mean? Yeah, yeah. So I was during quarantine, I got obsessed with running like many people do. I was watching lots of YouTube channels about ultra marathon runners. I could barely run like a 5K at the time. And I was like, wouldn't it be amazing if I like documented my journey from 5K to ultra marathons? Spoiler alert. I never, ever run beyond a 5K today. And I just ultimately knew that if I really was going to continue doing the YouTube channel and I was really going to give it the best shot, I had to do something that I knew I was really good at and that was sort of a unique... I had like a unique position in the market because I desperately wanted content that was about Facebook ads and how to set up campaigns and how to make creative that converts. But there wasn't anything like that at the time. So I thought, you know what? Like if I can create content for who I was just a few years ago, ultimately, I think I'm going to get the best traction. And that was a bet that has paid off quite a bit. Well, and that's part of the reason why you're on this podcast, right? Because we had yes. a chance to sample your content and see all the great stuff that you're doing. And it is a big deal. And it's a great strategy that hopefully a lot of marketers are listening to you can be inspired by. So today we're going to talk about user generated content, specifically inside of Facebook ads, UGC. There are a lot of marketers listening right now who are using Facebook ads and maybe haven't connected the dots between user generated content and and paid acquisition. So why don't you make the case as to why this is something they ought to consider if they're skeptical about something like this? Absolutely. So the, the thing that a lot of marketers and a lot of brands and agencies say about UGC is the reason why UGC works is because it doesn't look like marketing. It looks like a video that your friend or that your family member shot, and it feels a lot more authentic. And that's definitely the case. But I like to go a step further and say that user-generated content is actually really the content of our time right now. So TikTok is obviously a really huge platform and that people are using a lot more now, more like Netflix, as opposed to the way that they've traditionally used social media like Facebook and Instagram. And really, like what this is saying is like, people are paying attention more to this type of short form content. So if you can 
you know, number one, create content that feels a little bit more genuine, feels like it is coming from someone who is closer to you than a celebrity that's on a sound studio. And and it's actually a little bit more intimate. That's going to be a win. But it's also really reflecting the way that we digest content now um, on on our phones. It's so interesting. Like when I first started on paid social and Facebook ads, like we never used user-generated content like back in 2016, 2017. Like we would do the big photo shoots, we would do the big video shoots, and we would pay like 20 grand for each of those things, which was crazy. But now with user-generated content, not only is it the thing that converts a lot more than this type of studio work, but number two, it's also way more affordable for brands and companies and founders and small time business and small businesses to be able to afford that kind of content and grow their business ultimately. I love the concept of taking some of your customers who are already hopefully talking about your products and turning those into ads. I would love you to distinguish a little bit for people that are listening, influencer versus users, because my guess is there's a distinction here, right? Like we're not talking about going out and paying an influencer to create you a fake spot, right? We're talking about actual consumers of the product. Am I right or am I wrong? There's a little bit of a wrinkle for that because what we've actually found is that a lot of times your cheerleader customers aren't often going to be the people that create you the best content. But what we have found is that by partnering with creators that maybe ideally have heard of your brand or a champion of your brand, that's like best case scenario, But if they are at least passionate about your niche, passionate about the problem that you're trying to solve, those are the people that oftentimes are creating the best content that converts right now on these platforms. So if we wanted to be really blunt about it, like user-generated content isn't really the strategy. It's more creator-generated content or what I've heard being described as actor-generated content. But what I really see move the needle is more of this industry niche creator generated content because these people already talk about the problems you're trying to solve and they have the skill set to be able to talk on camera and also film the type of b-roll that's actually going to create the ads that ultimately make people convert yeah and this is a really important concept right for example at social media marketing world our conference in the past we would take video testimonials of people and some people just are not articulate, right? And they might love your product, but they might ramble all over the place. And there's no way you're going to be able to use that in an ad. You might be able to take, you might be able to take a quote from here and there and sew it together and make it into a written quote. But the idea of using them on camera, if they're not already authentically on camera, I get the challenge here. So when we talk about user-generated content, we're broadening the definition a little bit here to include creators and influencers, ideally who already know how to create video content. That's kind of what I'm hearing you say, right? Absolutely, yeah. And I will say just another detail about the idea of creator versus influencer is a lot of times this notion of the influencer is that they're going to be really expensive to hire. They are going to have, you know, all sorts of contracts and stipulations with working with them and that they're sort of unattainable. Like I can't slip into Kim Kardashian's DMs and ask her to take like an Instagram story of my brand. Like that is not attainable for me or any of the brands that I work with, no matter how big they are. But what is really attainable for me and other small businesses is to hire a creator to make authentic content about an industry and a problem they're already passionate about. 
And really, you can hire these creators for anywhere from $150 on the low end for a video or for raw content, all the way up to, you know, 500 for the really top tier ones. Whereas influencers, a lot of times that content is going to be like five figures, which is not as attainable to small businesses. What I love about this concept is this isn't influencer marketing. This is paid acquisition using creators who know how to, for lack of better words, say what you want to say in the way you want it said, right? And this, there's some nuance here, and we're going to talk about this a lot, actually. So my first question related to this is, if we want to do what we're talking about here, which is to get people to use our products that are ultimately going to be comfortable on camera, like where do we get started? What are the things we need to think about right out of the gate? So something that I'm really passionate about is doing in-depth creative strategy research. And it's not very sexy to talk about because it's the part of the process that takes a lot of time and a lot of thought. And really what I'm talking about for creative strategy research is doing a deep dive on your customer persona and on your customers and on their pain points. So the things that I always recommend at a bare minimum before you get started sourcing these creators, so like before you even think about the creators that are right, you have to think about what type of content you actually want them to make. And to start figuring out what that content is, you need to mine customer reviews. So you need to take a look at you know what your customers are saying, what their trigger points are, what their better life realized is, and also just pulling out the little pieces of like wording and the little phrases that they use that really like exemplify like what your product does and the benefits from that product. You're, I'm also going to recommend that people look at the ad creative from competitors. You can do this for free in two places on Facebook ads library where you can look up any brand's current Facebook ads. And you can also look at TikTok top ads, which actually shows you the top ads from brands that are running now on TikTok ads. Even if you're just going to be creating content for Facebook ads and Instagram, but you're using this user-generated content, I highly, highly recommend looking at TikTok top ads because a lot of what is working on TikTok very often is what is performing the most on Facebook and Instagram. So those strategies often are our top performers right now. Quick question on the, on the TikTok top ads, which is definitely a tongue twister. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Where do we find that? Is there like a, we just Google TikTok top ads or how does someone, do you have to have an ad account to be able to even see that? No, no, it's completely public. So I would just Google TikTok top ads and then you'll be able to access it. What do we look for when we're in there? Like, is there search categories or like, what are we just looking for exactly when we're watching that? What I love about TikTok top ads is you can actually segment between what types of campaigns people are running. So you can look at conversions versus people who are just doing like reach and brand awareness campaigns. And you can actually see the top ads for certain niches. So if you only wanted to look at beauty brands or skincare brands or other type of industry brands, you're able to toggle and filter between those sort of that sort of criteria. So it really does um, speed line figuring out what type of content is converting best for your industry or niche. When we're looking at TikTok and we're looking at the Facebook ad library, which is we've talked about pretty extensively on this show. When we go into the Facebook ad library, we presumably are actually researching our actual competitors who are running ads, if they're running ads to see what they're doing. And when we look at TikTok, it seems like it's a more broad level kind of thing. Like what's the 
takeaway? Like, what should we be looking for? The style of the ad, the way they're delivering the ad? Like, what are we watching for? I primarily look for three things. Number one, I'm looking at the overall format and concept of the ad. So are they doing how-to educational-based content? Are they doing listicle-style content? Are they doing problem-solution-oriented type of content with a creator? Or are they doing very direct response? Here is my product. Here are the features and benefits style, style creative. The other thing I'm going to be looking at is what type of creators they're using. So like, who do they think is going to be the best person to reach out to their target demographic? The avatar. Yeah. 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 And another thing that I'm looking at as well is I'm going to be looking at the hooks that they're using in all of their content. So how are they starting off the first three seconds of all of their ad content? How are they starting off the first second or second zero of their ad content? Is their product actually present there? Is their problem present there? I'm really looking at the overall formula or recipe for how they're attracting people and getting people to um, not only click, but eventually convert. And what I'll be looking to is I'll be looking for trends across that. So if I see a brand doubling down on a certain hook or on a certain type of strategy or even using a certain type of creator, that's something I take note of because it's probably a learning that they have that works best for them. So maybe that's something, a learning that we can also have for our brand. Good. And there was something else you were about to say before I injected that question. Do you remember what, where you were going? Was it reputation analysis or, or something else? Oh, yeah. So the like the third thing that I do like at, for creative strategy research, you know, mine customer reviews, number one, add creative from competitors, number two. Number three is a reputation analysis, which is going to be really looking at how the press views you or like what people are saying on review sites or what people are saying on Reddit. So I like to view this as like an oral biography of how the public views your brand publicly and like the questions they have. So that would also be doing things like looking at the questions that people have in your organic social, in your TikTok, also on your ads. So it's just really like taking note the dread, like the general perspective that the public has of you and your reputation. I love this because obviously, you know, there's going to be, if it's a consumer facing product, there's going to be reviews potentially on Amazon yeah. or elsewhere, you know, if it's like a retail or a restaurant or whatever. Right. And then obviously you look at the competition and then you look at kind of the general feeling uh, in the public, you know, about the particular brand um, yeah. that you're representing. Once we've got all this in place, which sounds like a pretty beefy process, which I, th I love the comprehensiveness of it. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast, not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. 
Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. How do we actually go about creating an ad? I'm assuming the creator comes in after we've done this next step as far as creating the ad. Do we do we come up with formulas and then hire creators? Like, Talk to me a little bit about that. So the next step after doing your creative strategy research is you're then going to write a brief. And essentially what this brief is going to have, it's going to detail the script or the script formula you want the creator to act on. And it's also going to include a shot list of B-roll you want them to create. It's also going to include high level do's and don'ts. So like maybe there are certain things your clients don't want the creators to say about your product, um, but also really simple things like don't wear logos in your clothing, turn off the fans and like shooting good lighting. All of those things actually do need to be said explicitly. Like it's so funny today, I just got creator content from a creator that we've worked with multiple, multiple times. And he was wearing a Nike hat. And I was like, you know, not to do this, but we we didn't put it on a single brief because we were testing out a new brief format. And I was like, wow, like it really is those fine details and also examples that you provide to the creator that are going to help your vision come to life. But it's only once this brief is finalized that you go searching then for the creators. Sometimes I like to switch these two because I get inspired by a creator's content to inform the brief. But I really like to take a more broad approach and creating a broader brief and letting the creator put their unique spin on it and their authenticity into it just so that I don't have to go back and create a brief multiple times. I really just like to create two or three hero briefs for a client and then collaborate with the creators and brainstorm with them on how to make it unique for like their specific creation. Okay. First of all, I love the fact that you are being cognizant of what they're wearing in the shot, obviously, right? Because- Oh, you have to be. So many people, some people wear hardly anything and it might not be on brand. Some people, all they have is branded clothing. And obviously then it's you're paying for Nike in that particular case, right? I mean, that's a problem. Absolutely. And that was even the client looked at, cause I didn't get to see it at first and the client saw it and they were like, it needs to be reshot. And I'm like, yeah, it does. But like, we can get it done for free if it's in the brief and it wasn't. So I was like, woof. <laughs> Unless you really crop in on, on their face, which is going to be kind of strange. You know what I mean? And that's going to be like one of those small friction points with UGC. Like that's why I really recommend people study TikTok and the type of content that's running there. Because even these like small friction points, like blurring out a logo or having it like too zoomed in on your face, those kind of things provide too much work and too much friction for the user that they're just going to swipe away. If you're not really presenting in the form of the type of content they already digest and are passionate about organically, then you've really already lost the battle when it comes to making UGC that converts on paid social. Okay. So B-roll, for those that don't know what B-roll is, it's the stuff that covers up the shot. So presumably we're mostly talking about B-roll that's going to be product. Yeah, absolutely. So the way that I have my creators shoot is I will have them film a testimonial. So that's kind of like them just sitting down, like kind of how I am here talking about the product. And then I will have them go out and, you know, take shots from their point of view, looking at the product, holding it up. Maybe if it's like a, a supplement or something that they can eat or drink, I have B-roll of them. I love that you're having them shoot the B-roll and you're not shooting the B-roll because you you want the lighting and the style to all be consistent, right? Yeah, absolutely. And we also 
the way that we structure our briefs, it's so that every time we work with a creator, we are building a library of B-roll content that we can then dig into at, at another time for a compilation or for a short style ad. So really like for us, like we also aren't having the creators edit themselves because really the point that we, the reason why we want to work with them is we want to pay them for their likeness. And we also want to pay them for their ability to show up on camera. I think it's really hard to get creators to know how to edit videos for performance creative or for um, or like paid social creative. I'm assuming that you are shooting these both in vertical and horizontal because maybe you want to run them on YouTube or you want to run them on Facebook or is everything vertical? Vertical only. I would say a majority of my work when it comes to user-generated content is all vertical. Okay. Even though on Facebook... In the feed, it's not necessarily, I mean, you can run vertical video ads, I guess, in the feed. Is that right? Or do you make them square or do you not worry about it? We make them four by five, but for most of our Facebook ads clients, what we'll do is we just shoot in nine by 16, but we will make sure that all of the captions and all of the text overlay are within the four by five safe zone. Got it. So that when it's automatically cropped on the platform, we don't have to go and, you know, make two versions because that's also like really cumbersome and frankly, a waste of our time. And I haven't seen any performance reason for having a nine by 16 type and a square type for UGC, at least. Let's talk about the script or lack thereof script, because obviously every creator has their style of communicating. So how much flexibility do you give them? Do you just give them bullets of concepts to talk about in their own language? Or do you actually give them specific written out scripts that they have to act. So what we do on the script side is we always have an example script. And what we do as well is we try to provide multiple options for the script. And the way that we are unique in this approach too is every time we work with a creator, we actually hop on a 10-minute phone call if it's the first time we're working with them because we also want them to pitch their ideas for unique hooks that they have, pitch us their ideas for a unique storyline that they have. And this is where we're really able to get over the, the challenge of creating the same content with different faces, which is often what I see a lot of times with UGC briefs that, well, with UGC creators that are using the same brief. So it is more manual, but we do have a full-time person for that. For smaller brands, I would recommend that if you have like a social media person who is already like a community manager or is already really familiar with the platform and familiar with like the type of creators that are in your niche, having them manage that is something that I've seen a lot of people actually really like because they really like brainstorming with those creators and um, seeing like the the output of the work that they make together. You're giving them a couple of scripts, but for the most part, they've got to stick to the script, right? I mean, they can vary a word here and there as long as they don't go too far off script. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like for some brands, like I've worked in some industries too where it's really strict. Like I've sourced creators for cannabis brands. Oh, because of the law. Yeah, they got to say certain. Yeah, and that, is like, I have a very specific brief. You cannot, it has to be exact to the brief. And that's where I have to do a lot of diligence working with top tier creators who I know can like bring life to that vision and can provide authenticity where perhaps, you know, I was stifling them creatively. (laughs) Is there any particular things that you recommend for those of us that don't know how to do scripts? I mean, I'm assuming these are 30 second ads all in. Is that generally how they are knitted together? 30 to 45 second ads, but I use the exact same script formula for nearly all of the content that I make scripts for. 
And it produces winning content, I'd say about 75% of the time, which is pretty good on Facebook ads if if you've ever been on the platform. And I'm going to tell you what it is. So it's really all going to start number one from the hook. You should spend 50 to 80% of your time just figuring out how to get people to stop. Some really good ways I've found to get people to stop is by having people, by having creators share a little bit about their personal history or a personal problem they have. That's infinitely really relatable and it doesn't feel like marketing because it feels a little vulnerable, but it also catches people off guard and makes them want to watch if they also have that problem. There are also other really common hooks that actually do work. Like you could do a three reasons why style ad. So three reasons why I decided to try this product or three reasons why your hair it has split ends, things like that that can be more educational in nature. You can also use the, I think the most popular hook right now is like TikTok made me buy it. So that's a hook that I've seen over and over again. If you want more ideas for hooks, I do have a video on my YouTube that it literally goes into like hundreds of hooks that you can test that I've tested. And that, you know, I refer back to that video sometimes for winning hooks and like winning strategies. What about the the call to action probably is the other big thing at the end of the video, right? Is there something? So the call to action, it's funny. It's like, is it, or is it not? Maybe it's not. Okay. Yeah. So it's like, you have the hook here, you have the call to action, action here at the bottom, right? But like what happens in the middle? So I will get to the CTA in a second, Okay. but it goes hook first and then you agitate the hook. Or if it's, a, if it's a problem, you agitate the problem. You go in depth on why this problem is such a, such a big thing for you. Really trying to like nail that more of that personal relationship with the user. And then you introduce the product as a solution, your product or so, your service. And then it's really about doing a benefits or features real, giving an authentic testimonial, maybe adding in some social proof, and then providing the CTA. Now, I'm a little winded after saying all that. And that's just when we get to the CTA. Yeah, and you only got 30 seconds to get it all done, right? Exactly. Which means that most people aren't, aren't going to see the CTA. Right. So I hear a lot of people talk about, oh, you should do CTA testing. You should do all this, blah, blah, blah. I would really rather my cre- like my creators and my creative strategists on staff to focus more on the hook than the CTA. Is it because you feel like if the ad's good, it's going to sell itself? Is that the concept here? I've seen that more and more recently. So a trend that I've seen that very interesting, especially with UGC, is a lot more what is converting is educational style content. So this is content that is about how to solve a problem that maybe your product or brand isn't even really the center part of. This is really big for the beauty industry where people are doing beauty tutorials or how-to content for a certain age demographic or just like a certain demographic altogether. And one of the top performing ads for a brand that I work with It's so interesting. It never mentions the brand and it never actually mentions the product that they sell, but it's still the top performer because people were watching to the end because they didn't think it was an ad and they were actually gaining value and learning something from that. So, but there must have been a call to action or a button somewhere where they could learn more, right? I mean, I'm assuming otherwise, why would they run the ad, right? Well, on the ad, yeah, yeah, like the button, but. They, there wasn't a general CTA on the actual ad asset unit. So if you were to use a CTA, would you say, go here to learn more? I mean, is that typically what you're using or how, you know, like what's the general consensus? I actually encourage my creators to come up with their own fun CTAs. Okay, cool. So 
I often find that like the people that do then watch the entire ad, it's kind of like a little treat. And I, I try to keep it casual. Like, want to learn more? Check it out. Or, you know, maybe something that's a little bit more bold from the creator's direction. It doesn't feel like it, it's... I don't really like it. And I think there's a friction point when creators are like, interested? Buy now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That feels very much like uh, marketing, which what you're trying to do is create something that doesn't look like marketing even though it is, right? So that's what I get. I'm tracking with you. Okay, so when we're asking these creators to do this work, do you sometimes live connect, you know, like over FaceTime while they're recording and art direct them or are they just generally uploading videos and are they providing multiple takes so you all can like pick from a couple of variations? So for some of the creators that I'm really close with, like they have my phone number and they're sending me mocks. Like, hey, I'm trying this. Does this look good? Hey, I shot this testimonial. Does this sound okay? And for our talent producer at Thesis as well, like she's pretty hands-on. Like I said, though, she normally only gets on video with them for their first project with us, which is like only 10 to 15 minutes. For the most part, like... For especially for creators who work with us a lot, we're supplying them to brief. We're having a back and forth on like the unique spin that they'd want to have on it via email. And then they're uploading to our Google Drive their final assets. I do encourage creators to do multiple takes if they can. But there are some creators that just are really confident. They know they nail it. And I encourage them to just supplement with extra B-roll instead of extra takes. Are most recording with their phone? All of them are recording with their phone. I have one creator that sometimes films with like a DSLR. A D- DSLR. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You, yeah, you got it. Yeah. And it was for a really specialty project. But to be honest, it's so funny that content didn't even really perform as well as the iPhone content. So all of these creators are shooting on their iPhones. Some of them are shooting on like iPhone 8. So it's not even really a matter of like having the best iPhone out there to like become a creator. Do you feel like the ones that are stationary versus in motion perform better? You know how some creators can like move around while they're talking and they hold their their arm out? It's so funny you mentioned that. I just had a client recently give me feedback that she thought some of the creators I sourced for their brand were too stationary. So I've seen both perform really well though. Yeah. I would imagine the motion could be thumb stopping only because it's just a little more engaging, right? Yeah. And I do instruct creators to provide motion in their hooks or their hook B-roll so that so that we can have that. And that generally does perform pretty well. But it, it's interesting. There was a brand who hired me to source creators for them. And they also hired another agency to like kind of compete. And one of the ad units that the competing agency did was like a, t- a testimonial of someone literally walking around their house using my brief. And I was like, wow, that is wild. <laughs> In a good way? Was that a good thing or a bad thing? It's testing now and it's not performing as well as the content that I made. But I think it's because too, like I concentrated a lot on getting a library of B-roll and like alternative shots. So I was able to overlay that in the testimonial. So even though for the creator and for the brand reviewing the content, it feels like a talking head piece of content where you're just looking at the camera. Once it's actually edited, it feels way more comprehensive and complex and dynamic. Okay. You mentioned sourcing creators. So this is obviously my next question, which is how do we go about recruiting creators? Because it sounds like if you don't do this right, you know, garbage in, garbage out, right? So you got to have, you have any advice for how we can find great creators who can do this kind of stuff? 
Absolutely. So there are three main ways that you can find great creators. And the first one is to use a third-party marketplace to find creators. So these are things like broll.io, trend.io, hashtag paid. These are all places where any brand can go, look through profiles of creators, look at creators' past work, and decide whether or not they want to work with them. And to be honest, if you've never done user-generated content before, this is a great place to start. Often prices are pretty affordable and you're able to input the brief that you want the creator to execute on. And you tend to get the content pretty quickly too because these creators are operating on the platform deadline. On these marketplaces, is this similar to like... <sighs> You know, there's freelance marketplaces that have been around for a long time and I can't remember what they are, but presumably there's samples of their work on there. So you can kind of see how they do what they do. Is that generally how it works? Yeah, it's like an Upwork or a Fiverr. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you're about to say what I found is what? <laughs> but what I found with going down this pathway is oftentimes there are a handful of creators that do excellent content on that platform. But if you really find traction in UGC and you want to scale and work with more creators and source more creators, there is a cap of quality. And I also find the quality for these third-party marketplaces to be like mid-level. So you're not going to get really great influencers. You're not going to get people who are really the top of their craft when it comes to certain shooting tactics or, or whatever. I also find that if you have a really specific niche, oftentimes those people who are already making content for that industry aren't going to be represented there. And then finally, my <laughs> final gripe with it is that you don't get to own the creator relationship, which means that uh, it's a little bit harder to tap into them again if you need a reshoot or you want them to work on more content. Something that I've struggled with before is there have been times where I found amazing creators on these platforms and I'm like, wow, like I want to like sweeten the deal. I want them to make like content for me on a regular basis. And going through this third party platform, it was like I was subjected to their fees. I was subjected to like their timeline. In terms of service, the relationship. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. at a certain point, you're going to scale to what I would call option two. And option two is really just sourcing the creators yourself. And I'm going to like state very plainly that before I sourced creators myself, I was very intimidated by it because it seemed like it lacked process. But this is legitimately what all of the like major agencies are doing and even like mid to like smaller agencies. They want to own the creator relationship and simply all that they are doing is they are going on Instagram, they are going on TikTok, they are sliding into those DMs and saying, hey, would you like to create content for my brand? That is how all of our creator relationships have started. And, you know, really, they've been able to grow into something a lot more because we weren't restricted by a platform. Now we have a Rolodex of 500 plus creators that we know, love and trust. And we get to own that relationship. And like, they're very enthusiastic to work with us because they know our process and we know what we can expect quality wise from them, which is a huge plus. But I do recognize that if you've never sourced for creators before, it feels really intimidating, which is why I do recommend starting with the third-party marketplaces to get your feet wet. The third option you have is kind of, again, a third-party solution, but it's to work directly with 
actors and actresses. And the platform that I primarily use to like actually get in contact with these people is Backstage. So this is something that I often have to do for brands that have target demographics that are 50 plus or 55 plus. I actually work with a lot of brands that need this type of content but there aren't as many 50 plus creators right now, especially ones that know the you know TikTok style format or UGC. But what I found was like a really good meeting point is going like hiring actors and models to create this type of content for me. Because number one, they know how to act on camera. They know how to take direction in terms of what type of tone they should have, what type of voice they should have. But they also are very conscious of how they show up on camera. And I've actually found a lot more of the actresses and actors that I'm working with that are 50 plus, they are starting to wise up to the UGC movement. And a lot of them already have a lot of experience creating user-generated content. Well, and obviously the other option is you could work with an agency like the one you work for. Uh, Yes, yes. (laughs) Which specializes in this kind of stuff. This has been really, really fascinating. We've gone really deep. Dara, if people want to discover more about you or your company, where do you want to send them? And specifically, let's also mention your YouTube channel as well so they can check out some of the great stuff. Absolutely. So if you want to learn more about me, please go to my website. I do have a page that is set up for social media marketing podcasts. So just go to www.daradenny.com slash SMM. There you can learn more about me and also check out my YouTube channel. It's just my name, Dara Denny. I post one video every single week that is all about Facebook ads, TikTok ads, and how to make content that converts on these platforms. And more recently, I'm trying out TikTok. So I'm trying to create anywhere from two to five videos per day. It is a big undertaking, but it's very fun. And if you want to see me more, you know, trying out this creator life and being more like the uh, UGC creators that I often direct that's a good place to uh, check out my content as well. Dara, if they want to reach out to you on the socials, do you have a preferred platform at all? Just out of curiosity, or is YouTube the best place for them to connect with you? Hit me up on Twitter. So I am at Denny Dara on Twitter. D-E-N-N-E-Y. Is there a dot in there or is it just no dot? Just D-E-N-N-E-Y. No dot, just Dara. D-A-R-A. Dara, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all your wisdom and insights. We're way better because of it. Awesome. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Hey, if you missed anything, we took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 558. And if you're new to the show, be sure to follow us. If you've been a longtime listener, would you let your friends know about this show? I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.